Hey, Foreclosure Fix family, and welcome to the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. I'm your host, DJ Alojo, and if this podcast resonates with you, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, and share it with someone who you know can benefit from the information. Ladies and gentlemen, I am looking forward to today's conversation with my good friend, Wynn Rupenthal. Wynn, welcome to the podcast. Hey, DJ. Good to see you, man. Wynn is a mortgage broker here in the Georgia area, and I have been doing business with Wynn for, I want to say, maybe, what, 10 years almost or so? It seems like forever. Yeah, yeah about 10 years. Yeah, that sounds right. Absolutely. And so Wynn is definitely an expert when it comes to all things mortgage related. And in today's episode, we want to dive deep into reverse mortgages. Are reverse mortgages an option for those people who are facing foreclosure? Um, prior to being in the loan industry, Wynn was a founder of a construction software company. He also is a real estate investor. He's a husband and a father, and he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal person. I love working with him whenever I get opportunity to. And so diving into our topic, reverse mortgages. When could you let our audience know kind of what a reverse mortgage is and how are they typically used? Certainly. So reverse mortgages, uh, they they seem like they can be confusing, but they're really not. OK, so let me just compare and contrast. So a regular mortgage, we call a forward mortgage. And that's really just where you borrow money and you pay the money back over time. And you either have just a fixed mortgage or you have a HELOC. And a HELOC is just where you borrow money and you pay it back interest only, typically for the first 10 years. And those are your typical main regular mortgages. Uh, the key there is that you are make, making payments to pay the mortgage back. Reverse mortgage takes that and changes it a little bit. So you can either borrow a set amount of money or you can get something like a HELOC and there are no payments. So you don't make any payments. But just like a regular mortgage, it is going to look at your situation. It is going to have an interest rate associated with it. So with a regular mortgage, your payment is you're paying back the interest, plus you're paying some of the principal. With a reverse mortgage, there is no, no payment that you make, but there is interest that's due every month. And so what happens, that interest that's due is added on to your principal. So your principal balance grows over time. The advantage of the reverse mortgage is that you do, you're not required to make a monthly payment. You're not required to pay that money back unless one of a few key events happens. If you sell the house, obviously you got to pay the mortgage off. Okay. If you um, uh, move out of the house, if, if it's not your primary residence, you pay the mortgage off at that, that time. So if, if you, if you die and it passes through your ears, the house would be sold and the mortgage would, would be paid off. The advantage of the reverse mortgage is that the risk is really taken on by, by the lender, not by you. So if you take a reverse mortgage and you keep it for X amount of years and you don't make any payments on it, but then you, you pass away, well, then what happens is the balance of the reverse mortgage is there. The heirs could sell the property. They pay off the reverse mortgage. Whatever's left goes, goes to your heirs, for example. If the reverse mortgage is greater than what they can sell it for, well, then the bank just takes the hit. Your heirs are not responsible for any debt or associated with anything like that. So the good thing about a reverse mortgage is that you can have access to the funds and you can stay in the house and you don't have to make, make any, any payments as long as you stay within certain parameters. Right? So when, so if I hear you correctly, you're telling me that there's a mortgage out there that someone can get and they don't have to make any payments on? That's correct. Within certain parameters. Okay. As long as you stay in the house, if it's your primary residence. Okay. So the key with the reverse mortgage is that you've got to be of a certain age. And this is all kind of high level broad right here. So we're not going to get down to too many specifics, but basically 
there's two primary types of reverse mortgages. There's what we call the HECM, H-E-C-M, and it's, and it's an FHA type mortgage. Then there's some private conventional type mortgages, okay? You've got to be of a certain age to access those. <clears throat> For the conventional loan, you've got to be at least 55 years old. For the HECM, you've got to be at least 62. So it's based upon the analysis of your expect your life expectancy. So the older that you are, the more money that you can borrow. So kind of in general terms, if you just want to use something just to average about, assume that you can borrow 40% of the value. So if you've got a client that's got a house that's worth $500,000 and they're getting a uh, reverse mortgage and they're above 60, they're you know, maybe close to 70, they could borrow right about maybe 40% of the value. So 40% of the 500 is $200,000. So they would get a brand new loan at $200,000. An existing loan that they've got is going to be paid off at that time. And the balance is what they could take in cash or they could take it as a home equity line of credit. Now, go ahead. So when this may sound kind of morbid, but the bank giving the loan in this scenario is just using a actuary table to to bank on your death, essentially. Exactly. 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 Because they know there's, there's no payment due. So if you, uh, if you only keep it for just say, you know, five or 10 years, the balance will be small. If you keep it for 30 or 40 years, the balance is going to be high. And these actuarial tables to decide. So you've got to be of a certain age to use these mortgages. You can't be someone young that can use them. But the advantage is, is if you've got a mortgage and it's becoming maybe a little difficult to make the payments, you could get a reverse mortgage and you could pay it off. But again, the key is going to be what your age is. And there's tables that we have to look at. And based upon your exact age, it determines what the total value of the loan can be based upon the, the appraised value, what the total amount can be right there. Okay. I got you. So... If someone wants to use this tool, and our audience is is real estate agents, but most of the people who we're trying to help are those who are facing foreclosure right now. Mm-hmm. So if, if someone wants to use a reverse mortgage because they're elderly and they don't, maybe they're on a fixed income, but they do have equity in their house, their house is almost paid off, right? Right, right. What is the process look like? And then also, what does the condition of the house have to be in? Is there an appraisal? Is it, you know, based off tax value? Kind of walk us through the process for somebody in that specific situation. Okay. So what I would say is that a reverse mortgage is something that people should consider for their retirement portfolio. I'm not saying it should be the first step, but it should be something for the retirement portfolio. So let's take an example of someone that you described right there. They're on fixed income. They might not have a lot of assets. They might not have a large 401k. They've got a house and they've got a mortgage associated with it, but they have a lot of value. A a retirement, a a HECM or a a reverse mortgage would work perfectly for that kind of person, I believe, because that way they don't have a lot of money, but they do have fixed income. They can pay off their mortgage and they can live on their fixed income right there. The reverse mortgage will look at the condition of the house there will be an appraisal done. And so if the house is in drastic need of repairs, they'll probably have to be have to be you know repaired. But I'm assuming that most people living in a house, their house is going to meet the minimum conditions. Okay. So meet the minimum standards. So uh, but that that's the way it's going to work right there. It is going to be similar to a standard mortgage in that there will be an appraisal and there will be a, a value determined. Gotcha. And so what does what is the qualifications for someone besides age? Is there an income or is there a level of assets or is it all dependent on the equity in the house? Good question. So there, there, are, there are some requirements. There is no certain credit minimum credit score you have to have. However, saying that lenders are required to look at someone's payment history. 
So there's not a minimum credit score, but they need to take a look at, you know, do you typically pay your bills? If you've gone through maybe a couple recent one or two late payments, that's fine. That can be explained. If you have a history of not making on-time payments for five or six years, that, that that's, a, that's a different situation right there. Okay. So they do look at credit. Uh, there is not a minimum income amount needed. However, they do look at something called residual income. Residual income is basically what's left over, what income do you have, could be Social Security, pension, could be the amount that you're getting from your 401k or something like that. What is that monthly amount? And how are you able to pay your bills on that monthly amount? In other words, is there enough money to buy your groceries, pay your utilities, uh, pay your taxes and insurance, things like that? They do use a formula based on the square footage of the house to determine what the average for the utilities is. And they use a formula like, like VA loans does. It's typically 14 cents per square foot is what they look at with the housing expense. Okay, So they look at your ability to make your minimum standards because the reverse mortgage, uh, although there's no payment, you still do pay your own taxes, your own insurance, your own HOA fees. So they want to make sure you have enough money to do that. Now, the question could come in, what if someone doesn't have enough money? What if their residual income is just a little bit low? Well, there is a way around that. It's called a lease. Basically, it's where the home the, the reverse mortgage sets up something like an like a uh, an escrow account for you. In other words, they take some money out to make sure there's enough money there to pay the tax insurance every year. But that's that's if you don't have enough money coming in. So the ideal person has enough money coming in to pay their taxes, pay their insurance, pay the utilities, and uh, you know groceries and all. But still, you know, they, they could benefit from not making that monthly payment every month. You mentioned that they are required to pay their own tax and insurance, right? Yes. In that scenario, I have seen folks who were on the auction list for a reverse mortgage because they did not pay their tax and insurance. You know, how common is that? Or will the reverse mortgage company typically try to work with them to rectify that before it gets to that point? Well, they'll, they'll hopefully try to rectify it before it gets to that point. And it used to be that this was before they started that little escrow account. It's called a Lisa, but just imagine it's an escrow account. That was not very common years ago. And there were situations like this. No lender wants to be the person that's going to you know, kick an elderly person out of their house. Okay, They want to avoid that at, at all costs right there. So what they've done is they set up this something that's like an escrow account and they pull some of that money away. Let me give you a good example. Let's just say that someone has a uh, the home equity line of credit version for the uh, for the reverse mortgage. So they paid off the reverse mortgage. They might have a hundred thousand dollars sitting that home equity line of credit that they don't need right away. Well, if their if their uh, income is too low, the lender will look at again their actuarial tables. They will pull some of that aside and keep it over there so the lender can make sure the tax insurance is being paid for them right there. So they they won't avoid that. They're doing more of that today. It's more common today than it was five or ten years ago. So I think some of the ones you may be seeing are the ones that didn't have the advantage of that years ago. But I know that every lender that I've talked to, and I'm a broker, so I deal with a lot of different lenders, no one wants to foreclose on an elderly person. That's that's the last thing they want to do. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. That That is, it's always heartbreaking when you see those situations. Um, and people hate that headline risk. So they, so they, they don't want to be on the front of anybody's newspaper. Exactly. Exactly. That, that being said, when you think about this product, a reverse mortgage, for someone in foreclosure. Obviously, they need to be 65 plus in age, preferably, I guess, older to get more money. Correct. What does that look like for them going through the process? Is it the same exact process of originating kind of a new loan, like if they want to get a new mortgage? And then do they have to do anything special in order to qualify besides being of a certain age? 
Well, they, they, lenders will look at their credit profile, okay? So what I would say is if someone is in foreclosure, which means they've probably missed six payments, they've probably missed quite a few payments by the time you get into foreclosure because a lot of lenders, they, the last thing they want is foreclosed. You know, they, they, they want to get beyond that. What I would say is that if someone thinks they may get, <clears throat> they may get into a foreclosure situation, it's probably best to take proactive action as opposed to waiting until it's too late. It's just like if you were going into a situation where you're going to be in foreclosure, it's probably too late to save some of those people <clears throat> uh, because normally the lenders have tried to take steps prior to foreclosure to, to salvage that deal right there. So I would say it's better to take proactive action with, with a reverse mortgage. If you think, hey, it's, it's, I'm, I'm living on the edge right here. I don't have a lot of extra income. That's the time to look at a reverse mortgage. If you maybe miss one, two payments, Approach it then. Don't wait till you miss six or eight or nine payments or 12 payments behind because it's going to be very difficult for a lender to make that loan to you when you're, when you're that far behind right there, okay? Because you probably made other payments late too and your credit profile has gone down significantly. So I would say what I would do is I would look at it early. I would make my decision early. And if you do a reverse mortgage and you get rid of that mortgage payment and you still have funds left over, that could be part of a HELOC. You don't need to use the home equity line of credit. You can let it sit there. The advantage of that is that, and this is a big advantage of the home, of the reverse mortgage HELOC instead of the forward mortgage HELOC, is that reverse mortgage home back line of credit balance will grow over time. So anything that you don't use, it may increase two, three, four, five percent per year, kind of based upon the rate of inflation right there. So that HELOC that might have had a balance of a hundred thousand the first year. If you didn't use it, maybe the balance is one hundred five thousand the next year. So it will continue to grow. That's one of the advantages of the home equity line of credit reverse mortgage right there. That makes a lot of sense because what you're saying is that even if your house has a ton of equity and maybe you have a really small balance, because we've seen this a lot where folks owe like $20,000 on a house that's worth, you know, $300,000. And it's because what happened is they got sick and these are older people who don't do ACH or things like that. They they write a check out every month for their mortgage payment and they mail it in, right? So these are these type of folks. But they get they get sick, they're in the hospital for 3 or 4 months, no one's paying the bill, and now they're in foreclosure, right? right? And so for that type of person, they are financially savvy, their credit may have taken a slight hit because of the situation, but they have extreme amounts of equity. So a reverse mortgage HELOC may be the best thing for them because it gives them access to the capital without the need to actually make a monthly payment and without there being any other penalties, right? Correct. And in the situation that you described, the lender may have some ability to work around that particular situation if it makes sense. OK, but again, it's just got to make sense. And it's going to be up to the discretion of the underwriter and the lender whether they want to you know, make that loan if you've had multiple late payments. So I would say the key here is make that decision early, because if you're living on the edge, you pretty much know you're living on the edge. OK, and if you need more money, you need more assets, you either have savings that you don't have or you take a current mortgage payment, like a new mortgage, which then you got to start making payments on it, or you do, do the reverse mortgage. And again, I'm not saying the reverse mortgage is, is perfect for everyone in every situation because it's not. Okay. It's not. I mean, I wouldn't use it for the first situation. My first situation would be, I want to use my, you know, I want to use social security. I want to use a pension plan. I want to use access from a 401k. I want to use things like that. But if all that is not enough, you still have a fallback that the government has actually provided to us right now that allows you to stay in your home. I had a buddy of mine who's in the mortgage business. He just did a reverse mortgage for a, a gentleman in his early 90s. And because the gentleman was older, he had plenty of equity, he didn't want to leave his home, but he didn't have enough money to stay there. He was getting on the edge. 
So he did reverse mortgage, which could have been a 30, 40 year mortgage. He was in his early 90s. He stayed there the last few years of his life. It accomplished what he needed. And again, there, there was probably still plenty of equity left, left in the house once he once he passed away. So there's no age limit. You can't be too old. You can't be too young, but you cannot be too old. When I hear you say that, and I think about somebody wanting to stay in their house, that is a common theme that we hear a lot, especially with people. It's like, you know, they want to die there, right? And when I think about people who may have had some challenges in life where their credit got messed up or things like that, if they are wanting to get a reverse mortgage, can they have a co-signer? So my credit may be bad as the person who is an elderly person. I'm living in the house. Can my son or my daughter co-sign with me or for me? That way, you know, they know that they'll be repaid. Good question. The answer is no. So, so a reverse mortgage is for the homeowner and spouse. So it's based upon the age of the youngest spouse. So if I've got you know, one borrower that's 70, I've got, I've got a, the spouse that's 65. The reverse mortgage will be based upon the 65-year-old spouse. You could be 70 and you could be married to a 40-year-old spouse. Okay, so you can still get a, get a reverse mortgage. The amount that you can borrow, though, is going to be smaller because, again, it's based upon the age of the, low, of the younger spouse. Because if the older borrower passes away, the younger spouse could live there another 30, 40, 50 years. So they've got to they've got to you know, plan for that in terms of the actuarial tables where that mortgage balance is going to be 30, 40 years down the road. So the lenders don't want to put themselves in a situation where they're upside down, but theoretically it could happen. The next thing is rates, right? So what is what are the rates like on a reverse mortgage in comparison to a forward mortgage? Okay. So imagine they're, they're similar to an FHA. Okay. So they're going to be a little higher than an FHA loan right now. FHA loans are at this stage in time, depending on your credit score, they're somewhere in, in the, the low low sevens, low to mid sevens, okay? Reverse mortgage is going to be about a point higher. You'll be somewhere low to mid eight. So it's not significantly higher, but it's a little bit higher. But again, it's, you're not making a payment. That unmade interest payment is just being added onto the loan balance every month. Gotcha. So someone has a reverse mortgage. They have not made a payment for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They don't have an escrow account. I forget the name of the term, the Elisa account that you mentioned. Right, right. And they unfortunately pass away. They go to heaven. Okay. Now their kids are trying to figure out what to do. How quickly does the foreclosure start with that well, process? Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a foreclosure. Okay. So at that point, uh, the, the, the bar is deceased. The house goes through, through probate. At that point, the heirs would need to pay off that mortgage. They could either take their own funds and pay off the mortgage and own the house. They could sell the house and pay off the first mortgage, whatever's left. They, they divide between themselves. If they sell the house and the, the sale price is less than the mortgage balance, well, then the bank only gets what the mortgage balance, what the sales price was, and the, and the heirs are not responsible for anything beyond that. Got you. Now, how will the bank know that person's deceased? So there, there is no payments being made, and- when someone dies, it typically takes a little while. So how does the bank know? You know, that's a good question. I guess it's kind of based on the honor system. You know, if, uh, if, if the person's not there, then uh, you need to no- notify the lender that the person has been deceased right there. And it may be through property tax records. If they, if they change, if the title of the property changes, lenders do watch that. If they see the title change, they're going to realize there was something taking place. 
No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So when when you think through your clients and the people who you've done reverse mortgages for, are there common themes you see with all those clients besides being over 65? Yeah, usually it's that they, they want access to the funds while they can still use them. It's one of two things. They want access to the funds because they don't have sufficient savings built up in order to carry them for the next 30, 40, 50 years. They've got a little bit of income coming in. They've got a mortgage payment. They want to pay it off. They want to stay in their house and they don't have significant resources beyond that. They don't plan on leaving the home. Those have been some of the younger people. I mean, in the, in the early uh, uh, mid 60s, early 70s, I, I see that. Some, some of the older people, they may have just gone through their assets. They may have lived longer than their assets could provide them for. And they could almost see, okay, at this point, we're going to be running out of money here in the next two or three years. I need to take some proactive action. At that point, the reverse mortgage makes a lot of sense for them. They want to stay in the house and they need access to funds. And it's too late to go to a 401k because you almost depleted it. So I, I, I would say that the, the key theme is that you've got people who they know they're going to need more money at one point, And it's better to take that action early as opposed to late. Don't wait till you're missing mortgage payments because you should probably have known that, you know, at least 12 to 24 months in advance and take time to do it then. Awesome. Well, when that leads us to my favorite part of the podcast, which is our bow tie round, where our listeners get to tie one on with our guest, Wynn Rubenthal. The B in bow tie round stands for your best advice for someone facing foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for right now. And the W is for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. Um, so B, what's your best advice for someone in foreclosure? Best advice for someone that they're in foreclosure is... I would reach out to a lender to see what your options are, okay? And your options are going to be, if you're already in foreclosure, it may be tough to get a reverse mortgage. Again, if, you, if you've only missed one or two payments, I'm kind of thinking you're not going to be in foreclosure that soon, but at least reach out to someone to see what your options are. The second option I would look at is, what can you do? If you cannot pay the mortgage, then sell the house. Don't let the bank take the house. Sell the house. You've got equity in it. Sell the house. If you can't sell the house quickly yourself, get a short, you know, if you owe too much to sell it, you know, get a um, an agent that is good with short-term sales, you know, a short sales. Get, I, I would get out of the house. I would avoid the foreclosure at any point right there. Try to pay it off. Try to get the house sold. Just avoid the short the, the foreclosure at all costs. I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the things that we always tell people is that you got to make a decision whether you want to keep the house or sell the house and start working towards whatever decision path you make aggressively. And so you definitely echo those sentiments. The next thing is one thing you're grateful for right now. Well, actually grateful for, for our health. My wife and I, we're, we're, uh, we're in great health. We live by our, you know, our, our, both our kids are grown. They're doing great. The kids are grown. They're on their own, they're doing great. And wife and I, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing fantastic. So I really can't complain. That's the most thing I'm grateful for right now. That's awesome. When I, I don't know if that's your like undercover way of saying like, Hey, you're eligible for a reverse mortgage, but you know, you don't need it or, you know, what may be the case. No, I was but, not saying that. Don't read too much into it, DJ. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm totally joking. But I, I, I think we don't spend enough time being grateful and thankful for our health and, and until we lose it. And so that is, that's one thing I definitely, uh, echo your sentiments on for sure. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is what's your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story? Uh, well, they're, they're rarely good stories. If someone's in, in foreclosure, um, I know that uh, one of my neighbors was going to foreclosure because I read the local paper and I saw his name in there and he was kind of a hermit. Uh, you know, didn't really communicate with people. You rarely, I, 
really came out of this house. I'd only seen him, I think, maybe once or twice in five years. I just didn't know the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could see it in the business. I know what's coming. That train is going down. It's coming down the road. Okay. It's coming down the road. House was in disrepair and he was going to lose it. So uh, I didn't have his phone number. So I just sent him a nice letter to say, hey, I understand. I see what's going on right here. I would be interested in, you know, buying your house. And, you know, I understand the, the need to be uh, confidential. And so, you know, I'm not talking about scenario, but just if you interested, give me a call back. Actually, we, we were on vacation and he called me when we were on vacation and he was interested in wanting me to come over right then and there. This was about two months later. So I, uh, I told him I couldn't, but I came back and met with him. And it took me about a month and a half to convince him that you just can't do nothing. You have to do, you have to be proactive because every week that you wait, the closer you're getting to foreclosure and the bank's going to come in, you're going to house me sold all the courthouse steps. It's going to be too late to do anything. You got to take steps. So he and I, you know, we came up with, with, with a very fair price. He walked away with, you know, almost $200,000 in cash because he had a lot of equity there. So it worked out good for him, worked out good, you know, for me because we were able to buy a house. We actually then turned around and we you know, remodeled it and that's where we're li- living right now. But um, if I had not reached out to him, it would have gone on the foreclosure steps. It would have been really bad for the guy. So he was able to get some money in his pocket. So I guess the key is if you see yourself going that way, don't wait too long. And I've talked to a lot of people who've gone through foreclosure. And I guess my advice is don't wait so long. And sometimes people think they've got enough money to pay the bills to write themselves out, but they can't write that ship. And they spend maybe six, 12 months trying to stay in that house. They spend all their savings trying to stay in the house when they should have just gone ahead and sold it and be done with it, moved on to the next stage of their life. They, they had too expensive a house for whatever their income was at that, that, that amount of time right there. So I'm just saying, you know, Take proactive steps. Go early. When, you know, that's probably one of my favorite stories yet. Um, one, because the resolution was favorable for all parties. Right. But then two, because it reminds me of the mission, why we started the podcast, why we're so excited about the foreclosure fix community and just helping people get the blinders off and stop acting like deer in headlights and figure out a solution to get them to a better financial situation. Right. And so you, you couldn't have ended our podcast with, with, on, a, on a better note, right? Well, yeah. With that, let our listeners know how to get in contact with you should they want to reach out if they do need a loan or reverse mortgage. How can they get in contact with you? Well, uh, you've got my name on the screen right there. So if you if you did uh, if you did do a search for me, you, you'll, you'll be able to find me. But uh, my my cell phone is 404-402-6281. That's 404-402-6281. My company is called Pure Light Mortgage. That's Pure P-U-R-E Light L-I-G-H-T Mortgage. Win at purelightmortgage.com. And what what states can you do mortgages in? Right now, just Georgia. So if if you're reaching out from another location, another state, Win can definitely maybe point you in the right direction. But if you want him to originate your mortgage, you got to be here in Georgia. With that, y'all, that wraps another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast. We thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate your support. If this mission resonates with you, helping homeowners who are in need, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, and share it with someone who you know could benefit. Thank you so much for Closure Fix family. I love you and God bless you. Talk to you soon. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.